this week on Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. College football kicks off this weekend, and that means fall isn't far behind, which also means the fall TV season is coming soon, and WWE and AEW are rolling out the promos for their new programming. We will discuss the anticipation of this new era in wrestling. As we look forward, we will also look back as we superkick it old school with two classic matches between Brian Pillman and Jushin Thunder Liger, as Pillman's son is set to go against Liger this weekend. The King of the Ring is underway, and we will give our thoughts on that and other WWE news. And Two-Face goes to the movies with our thoughts on the Joey Ryan and Kenny Omega documentaries. Plus, we review our top 25 male wrestlers, and we hear your top fives. All that, next. WrestlingInc.com brings you Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, the podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in-depth on NJPW. AEW, ROH, PWG, and more. Also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers, listener Q&As, and extended discussions about wrestling topics past, present, and future. Now, here's your host, Kelsey. Hi, and welcome to Two-Face Wrestling Talk. I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, Paul. I am here. You are here. Next week, we won't be here. We'll be there. Somewhere else? Yes, Chicago. Or near, <laughs> yeah. near Chicago. I was just going to leave it at there. and <laughs> Just somewhere. <laughs> somewhere not here. Over the rain. <laughs> That's right. But next week we'll be in Chicago for All Out. So it is our final show uh, before we get on the plane and head up there. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be great. Chicago is my favorite city, as I've said many times. Of course, we're not going to be in Chicago for much of it. We'll be in Schaumburg and Hoffman Estates. But... I'd really love to go get the... <laughs> That Swedish breakfast. Yeah, though. I'm sure we will. I hope so. And Sather. Cinnamon rolls. And Sather. Yeah, that Delicious. should be a lot of fun. My favorite place. Yes, it is. I think I might try to get the French toast this time. I always get the cinnamon <laughs> rolls. Maybe somehow I'll change my order. I don't know. Maybe. I doubt it, though. I doubt it, too. <laughs> uh, before we get going, we've got some uh, big news to announce. Oh, I'm announcing it? You uh, might as well. <laughs> okay, well... <laughs> Soon, we will be switching podcasting networks. We will not be on Wrestling Inc. in a few weeks. We will, we think we will be going on our own, but uh, stay tuned to find out exactly where you'll be able to find us. You'll know. We're going to be on Wrestling Inc. for like another three weeks, so we'll have time to tell you guys where to find us. Please, if you love us, I know it's an extra step, but you'll have to go and find us on our new platform, wherever that may be, and follow us there. So you can listen to us. We'd really love it if you'd come along with us for this journey. And we appreciate you guys if you have been along with us thus far. But we want you to continue onward with us. And we know most of you will. It's uh, it's just a, a, a change in uh, direction. And so uh, we will be either out on our own or, or maybe with somebody else. We don't know yet, but we'll keep you posted. But either way, uh, an exciting next step for us. And we'll see what happens. Yeah, and you might as well... Subscribe to my YouTube channel, because if there are any updates and you guys miss it on Wrestling Inc.'s platforms right now, you can catch it on my YouTube channel, because I'll announce where we're going to be on there. Super Kicking It with Kelsey, and that's spelled S-U-P-E-R-K-I-C-K-I-N-G-I-T with Kelsey. My name is spelled K-E-L-S-I. And we'll keep you updated on social media. Uh, she's at Super Kicking It. I'm at P-Boron 88. Of course, our 
Twitter for the podcast is at Two Faced Pod. Yep. So uh, keep up to date on uh, on where to find us. Uh, you've uh, you guys have interacted with us on our uh, Twitter, as we'll find out later in the show. So you know how to find us on Twitter, and soon you'll find us somewhere else doing the show. Yep. It should be an exciting time. New things, new content. Yep. Yep. Uh, but one thing that's not going to change is uh, the support of our friends from WrestlingTravel.org. And uh, saw a good tweet from them this week talking about how their uh, WrestleMania packages are already uh, selling like hotcakes. So make sure you, you uh, get your travel package booked if you want to go to Tampa for WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, those are going fast, so I would take advantage of their deals. They've got some great combo deals where it's a lot cheaper to go with them than to do it by yourself and booking it all on your own. Well, even this week uh, with uh, All Out, they were comparing how you could get a ticket and a bus ride to All Out, and it was cheaper than going through StubHub. Yeah, it was cheaper getting the same level tickets through StubHub. And that's a deal. I mean, come on, it's a steal. Check them out on social media at Wrestling Travel. But you could also go to their website, like you said earlier, WrestlingTravel.org. Yep. Thank you, Wrestling Travel. (laughs) We love you. (laughs) We do. And we've got another piece of exciting news. We've got some merch coming your way. If you guys want Super Kicking It with Kelsey or Two-Faced Wrestling Talk branded merch, it's coming very soon. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, very cool designs, uh, very 90s themed, and uh, we may have another shirt coming down the pike that was uh, an idea of mine that just came to me, and uh, I'm really excited about the shirt. I, I think I can't wait to see how the design comes out. But He's working I, on it now. I think it's going to be very popular, and I think a lot of you guys are going to love the shirt and want to get it. And you won't be able to believe that Paul came up with it because it has to do with the 90s and stuff I like in wrestling and Paul came up with it, not me. It's crazy. I know, it is, but it's the truth. It's a good idea. (laughs) It is. I can't wait to reveal it to you guys, so stay tuned again to our social medias like we were just talking about, Super Kicking It, P-Boron 88, Two-Faced Pod. You'll find all the info on there. We'll keep you up to date. Yep, but right now it's time to give our opinions on the latest wrestling shoot. Shoes again. <laughs> I just, you did this last week. <laughs> two weeks in a row. Uh, it's time to give our opinions on the latest wrestling shows, news, and developments. It's time for headlines. And we're going to start with AEW and WWE, kind of a combination discussion. Uh, as Kelsey mentioned at the top of the show, the fall TV seasons are on the horizon. And uh, within a couple of the shows I watch, uh, I started seeing some of the promos for the fall products, of course, during Raw. They announced uh, NXT is going to be on USA on Wednesday nights and be two hours long. That's going to go up against AEW, which has started rolling out their promos. I saw it during a show I watched called The Animal Kingdom, and they ran the promo for the new AEW and the debut date, and the promo was awesome. The promo was really well done. Short, succinct, kind of exciting, and I noticed in the corner it said TV 14. Significant. I think that's very significant because you didn't even notice that the first time you watched it, but that's the first thing that honestly jumped out to me is that they've already set an age restriction there, but I like it. TV 14, there's nothing wrong with that, and it kind of goes with what AEW style has been thus far with some hardcore stuff, some, you know, Joey Ryan type of humor, even though he's not officially in right. there, but like, you know, that type of humor. So all that combined, TV 14 makes a lot of sense. But 
you know, separate and apart from that, I think the promo was wonderful and really organic. They're really good at video packages. I mean, and they have to be now that they're going to be featured on a, on a platform like TNT. Mm-hmm. You know, we always say how great WWE is with their video packages and their promos. But, you know, I feel like WWE's video packages almost are far superior than their promos. Their promos are kind of... It's obvious to say it's super commercial because that's essentially what a promo is, but it's just a, a, a little more corny. I like their packages better, like, you know, kind of recapping feuds and such. Whereas I felt the AEW one was just, like, really professional looking, really well done, uh, really crisp, and, and really makes you want to see it. But the WWE ones are good, too. Yep, yeah, uh, WWE, if you were watching the uh, Vikings-Seahawks game on a Sunday night, I believe... Uh, they started running their uh, commercials for uh, SmackDown and their debut on Fox on Friday nights. Uh, the first thing that jumped out to me was the first piece of video in the promo was not a current star. It was Triple H, followed by somebody holding up a John Cena sign. Now, normally I would say, OK, this is WWE being too reliant on nostalgia. But it's Fox. But well, and here's my thought. You're you're trying to get football fans who maybe aren't watching wrestling on a regular basis. I think it makes sense to show them a couple faces they recognize, like John Cena or Triple H. Then as the commercial went along, there was Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch and Kofi and Roman Reigns. Uh, again, I thought it was a really good uh, promo. And then in-game, they had a couple of uh, what they call on TV elevators where... A graphic comes up from the bottom, mm-hmm. and uh, that had Roman, Becky, Charlotte, and Kofi. Uh, but uh, they were talking about wrestling during the broadcast, and they're going to do a lot of that on Thursday Night Football. I think there's going to be cross-promotion and things like that as well. Those are all very good points, but let's talk about something you pointed out to me. Not necessarily TV-related, but Fox-related. You saw that job opening not listed under WWE, but listed under Fox for WWE editing, though. Yeah. So, so tell us about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd have to go back and look at the details, but it was on Indeed, and it was for a Fox producer to work on WWE content. So it would seem, judging by that, that uh, WWE is not going to handle all of the promotion or all the video packages, or maybe Fox is going to incorporate more like feature stories like they would do at halftime or on Fox NFL Sunday. And so maybe they're going to do kind of their own thing or maybe they're going to put together some videos that will air at halftime of of a Thursday night football game or something. It'll be interesting to see, but it was interesting that it was WWE job, but it was the hiring was from Fox. That is very interesting, in, in my opinion. That's why I wanted you to talk about it, because I don't think anyone, unless they happen to just see that Indeed <laughs> job, would have known about that. <laughs> very interesting, and I'm really interested to see what they're going to do going forward promotion-wise, because it's like you're mixing in with sports. You're mixing in with other pop culture stuff. Mm-hmm. How does that cross over? Because, you know, wrestling hasn't had the huge cross-promotional or uh, cross-appeal, not cross-promotional, cross-appeal like it did in the 90s. But now I feel like wrestling's getting just as big, if not bigger. You know, we're seeing a time where it's really rising in popularity with all these TV deals and with AEW popping up too, um, and all these other, you know, smaller promotions doing well as well. So, you know, what is that going to be like going forward? No, it's going to be a fun time. Yeah, this is exciting, and it, it's it's 
kind of crazy that it's all just a couple of weeks away now because we've been talking about it for so long. I mean, AEW has All Out next week, which, we, as we mentioned, will be there. And then it's kind of just full steam ahead to that, that debut uh, in Washington, D.C., which sold out in, like, no time uh, for that first TNT show. So we're not far from that now. Now WWE going to uh, SmackDown on Friday night, moving NXT to a more uh, broad platform, which is interesting because I, I want to see if they're going to change the product at all. I hope they don't. I hope they don't do anything to change it. Keep it the way it is. Uh, but it I think it'll be good for the stars because we've commented on this in the past. When some of these NXT stars go to the main roster, they don't seem to be recognized by people if like, if they don't, if they're not watching NXT on the network or don't have the network, they didn't know who some of these people were. So now that it's going to be on USA, that's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting too that AEW is opposite NXT same night. Well, and on television, right? And I said this a few weeks ago. These are the two to me that are the most that match up more, like the style of wrestling in NXT, the style of wrestling that AEW is going to have. Those actually match up more than what Raw would be versus AEW. Because, you know, Raw is a different product. I think from a wrestling perspective, I think that's the part that's going to be interesting head-to-head. And uh, we'll see how AEW and NXT do. Those first few weeks of ratings, are when they go head-to-head, I'm really going to be interested to see. I think AEW will win. I don't know. But it might be close. I don't it might be close. Who knows? It's going to be so fun just to see the it progress. Is. It is. I and mean, how everything unfolds. I mean, it's, it's not quite the Monday Night Wars. It'll, first of all, it's not even going to be on Monday. It'll be on Wednesday. But it, it's it'll be interesting to see how it all comes to fruition. I'm not saying I'm a fortune teller. All I'll say is this. I knew that All In meant something for wrestling. Somebody you know met us at a bar after All In and said, no, it means nothing. It was a one and done. It, it has no significance. They basically were trying to, you know, put me down, school me, say I was wrong to, to think that All In might have meant something more and that the numbers were impressive and then going forward, this could become something new. I just had some kind of feeling in the, that there was something in the air that was going to happen. And the guy was like, no, no, no. Well, who is right? <laughs> Me. <laughs> and it's so satisfying. <laughs> All I know is that I knew something was going to happen. And now we're seeing, you know, the progress from that a little initial spark. Yep. Yep. And we'll celebrate the one year anniversary of that uh, next weekend when we're back in Hoffman Estates at the Sears Center. Can't wait. Uh, as far as actual wrestling this week, a pretty light week. We'll talk a little WWE now. And uh, the Sasha Banks return continues to be one of the big buzzes. Uh, she had a on-camera interview where she was asked to, about why she did it. And, of course, she started talking about her blue hair. And Michael Cole's like, with all due respect, I'm not asking about your hair. Nobody cares about your hair. That was pretty great. <laughs> I did laugh at that. So did you. But, yeah. And, uh, and her just saying you're welcome, which I think was in response to a week ago when the fans were chanting, thank you, Sasha. Uh, so later in the show, she attacks Natalia. This is so terrible. Which I know bothers you. And then she says, go to hell and say hi to your father for me. Like, yeah, I know she's a heel, guys. <laughs> I I know I know wrestling. I know what's <laughs> happening here. But really, to, to, to kind of go into that cloudy, you know, water, 
to cross that line. I don't know. That's real life. That's her real life. Then she's saying, "Go to hell with him." I still say Natty gave her blessing. I, Maybe I would think. I would think so. I mean, they're friends in real life, so it just seems so uncomfortable as a viewer. But you know, the heel is supposed to get heat like that. It's just like. But the problem is, I don't like it. It's, it's cringeworthy. Not get, the problem is, it's not getting heat. The crowd loves it. I know. Well, that's Sasha. even more awkward so, to me. So that kind of makes it even harder because Nat, she's Natty's supposed to be the poor innocent person, and the crowd's chanting "What?" while she talks, and that made me so angry. I, I hate that. But uh, I used to like the "What?" chant when it first existed. When it was I, Stone no, Cold, I don't yeah. want it in everything else. I didn't watch live then, but when I went back and watched recaps and stuff and history features, I always liked when they showed the "What?" chant with Stone Cold. But now that everyone says it. When any wrestler is trying to say something, it's overused yep. and really annoying when you're trying to hear the wrestler. Yep, I agree with you. And, so, uh, yeah, they were saying, what to poor Natty? Yeah. Natty! <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Here's the water. Oh, I've got a drink. Right. Um, let's switch gears. King of the Ring got underway with four matches, and uh, four more will come up next week, including two at the Raw we will be at at the Smoothie King Center on Monday night where we'll get to see Ricochet versus McIntyre and Miz versus Baron Corbin, the other two. Why uh, couldn't it have been something else? Why couldn't it have been like... It's Ricochet. Sammy. Ricochet is... Even though I would have seen Sammy get squashed, so maybe yeah. I wouldn't have wanted that. So <laughs> well, let's dive into yeah, let's Sammy. Into you were like, oh gosh, he got squashed right away. Like he's a jobber or something. And then we've got to give props for a great tweet from our good friend at Smart to Death on Twitter. <laughs> they said, you know, this is about the... Like eight millionth or something. <laughs> loss, you know, or, or no, what did he say? He said, eight million losses ago, Sammy was uh, NXT champ yep. or something like yep, that. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, something like that. And it, it was really clever. And I was like, he's right. He has lost like a billion times. But... Fast forwarding, I'll let you get back to the King of the Ring no, matches no, no. after. I want to talk about the cool Nakamura pairing. It seems odd, I know, but I really like him being like the mouthpiece for Nakamura because, I don't know, they had a really cool chemistry and, you know, their match together, I've said this many times. And right. In fact, they mentioned it on commentary. That's probably one of my favorite matches of all time, Sammy versus Nakamura at NXT TakeOver. So their chemistry is there, whether it's against each other or just where Sammy's talking. And it's cool because Nakamura's facial expressions say a lot. Mm -hmm. And then Sammy can play off that. So it's not like Nakamura is standing there stoic and confused or anything. He's playing around with Sammy visually, with his body language, with his facial expressions. So it still really works. Nakamura's still doing things. It's not like he's doing nothing. And he attacked Miz in the ring. Right. So I thought all that was really well done. I loved it. And it's a really cool way to utilize Sammy. If you're going to have him lose, I hate that. But at least <laughs> do something cool with him. Make him prominent. And this is a way to keep him relevant and not have him just be some jobber. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I don't like... I mean, look, I have no problem that Cedric Alexander beat Sami Zayn, but it was basically a squash match. So it's ridiculous. Didn't like that. Now, the other match on Raw from King of the Ring, the Samoa Joe Cesaro match, was outstanding. And there were elements of it to me. It almost felt like a New Japan match with some of the chops and things like that. Uh, it was kind of interesting, though. Cesaro had a couple times where he kind of had missteps, like trying to pick up Samoa Joe, but they kind of covered it well enough. But you know what's funny is I swear... We have seen him picked up bigger guys. Yeah. So, or pick up bigger guys. So, what was going on? Was he tired? Was he off his game? 
Was there just some miscommunication in the ring? I don't know. It was very strange. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was that boot from Samoa Joe. Oh, actually, no, I'm sorry, because that boot was from Cesaro to Samoa Joe's face, so that doesn't even make sense anyways. But that that was a great visual, by the way, the slow-mo of Cesaro's oh, yeah. boot hitting Samoa Joe. That was awesome. Uh, but again, I, I kind of... They put on a great match. I hate that Cesaro loses in the first round, because again, I'd like to see him going somewhere, but at the same time... Why couldn't have that match... Or that pair up be down the line. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. It's ridiculous. But good that Samoa Joe advanced. Um, and then on the other side, uh, Andrade beat Apollo Cruz. But I wanted to talk about the Elias and Owens match. Kind of a ridiculous ending with the continuing of Shane McMahon screwing over Kevin Owens, going with the quick one, two, three count. But I think the result is the right result because Kevin Owens has been a champion. And to me, the King of the Ring is almost like the next guy. So to me, Elias beating Kevin Owens made sense. It did make sense because, you know, as you said, Owens has already had the title. Give this, you know, final crown to somebody who's an up-and-comer, not someone who's already been there. I I do like that theory that you have and that desire for it to be somebody kind of up-and-coming. But um, it was a good way to get Owens out of there without really hurting him too much. You know what I mean? Yep. Hurting his credibility and everything. Uh, The other Uh, thing... Oh, go ahead. I'm just over Shane. (laughs) Same Uh, thing you said. I'm over it, man. I am. How much longer is this going to go on? I hope we're getting close to the finish line on that. There will never (laughs) be a finish. Uh, I wanted to get your opinion and talk briefly about Buddy Murphy. Uh, Two weeks in a row, just fantastic matches. The match against Roman Reigns was surprisingly really good. And this week against Daniel Bryan was fantastic. Uh, I, I, you know, when Buddy Murphy was promoted, I wasn't sure if that was a good idea because I didn't think they would give him any sort of a push in any way. But they have allowed him to have two great matches and his match against Daniel Bryan this week was really good. I think they're seeing what he can do, and they're giving him a shot, which is really surprising, but I like it a lot. Um... Yeah, the crowd is into him too, and that's kind of they've the been big, into yeah. him, you know, for a while now, actually. Yeah. Um, and it is surprising because you know a lot of the other guys who came from Two Hundred Five Live are not getting over in the same way. Somehow Murphy has like transcended. Yeah. From Two Hundred Five Live to like kind of well, he doing and, well. He and Cedric Alexander, and I wonder if maybe that's one of the wise decisions WWE made is putting some of those cruiserweight matches on pay-per-views because people did get a chance to see Cedric Alexander and Buddy Murphy and uh, Ali prior to that. So maybe that was a good decision by WWE because I don't think if they just came from the cruiserweight division, I don't think they'd have that kind of buzz. But because they've been on pay-per-views or kickoff shows, people have seen them, and and maybe that's uh, why they're kind of going over with the crowd. Good point there. Uh. ROH and New Japan have shows this weekend, but they're kind of in the same time frame as when we're releasing the podcast, so we're not really going to preview, but we will mention there are TV tapings and Honor for All and Ring of Honor, Super J Cup in New Japan. I'm sure we'll touch on those next week. But speaking of New Japan, that leads us into a discussion. Super kicking it old school. We're bringing it back. Uh, Brian Pillman's son is going to face Jushin Thunder Liger this weekend. Yep, it's going to be a tag match, so it's not a singles match, so it won't exactly replicate 
the old school matches between Junior's father and Liger, but it'll have like a really nostalgic feel, mm-hmm. and it's obviously something that's kind of important to Brian Pillman Jr. He's talked about how much it would mean Liger's retirement year, so this is kind of like a dream match in a way. There's really no other way for this to happen, and it's pretty cool that we're gonna see it. And in honor of that, we're looking back at some Liger Brian Pillman matches. One that took place in New Japan Pro Wrestling. We found it on Daily Motion. It's not on New Japan World, so it was kind of hard to find, and it was very blurry. Yeah, it was basically shot with somebody's home video camera yes. with two guys having a conversation during the whole match. This is like a, the definition of you know tape trading. I'm pretty sure that. That type of footage was used to just trade Mm -hmm. back and forth between people who just love wrestling and wanted to see Liger matches, etc. And the other match we'll be talking about is, I think, their most well-known match they had, which was at WCW... Super Brawl 2. Exactly. And that one was really good. But the first one, the first thing that jumped out to me right away was that Liger didn't really look that much different. Obviously, he's a little... little, uh, softer around the edges now but uh the music was the same the look was about the same except his hair maybe not sticking out as much uh but the match itself was uh definitely good and the crowd was into it the crowd loved it and man there was so many cool parts you know he's doing these flips very reminiscent of uh this posturing in the ring very reminiscent of osprey and high flyers of today who obviously have looked up to liger growing up and mm-hmm. now almost like emulate him it's so funny how many people respect him that end up wrestling him now yeah and he's just had a wonderful career and a lot of influence on wrestling today and i think you could see that in this match and you know brian pillman is somebody who never gets enough props in wrestling in my opinion he's one of my favorite old school wrestlers and before he was like the loose cannon character Back when he was, you know, in WCW and on the indies and wrestled in Japan, too, he was more of a high flyer, and his name was Flying Brian. That was, like, his nickname. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, later he paired up with Steve Austin, and they were the Hollywood Blondes, but Flying Brian was even before that. And this took place when he was that, where he did a lot of aerial stuff, and he was very impressive because he's not skinny. No. He, you know, he looks muscular. He looks kind of like... Like, he's a thick guy. Like, it's kind of funny. He's not somebody who looks all railish like who could be doing these flips and stuff, but he did these aerial moves really nicely. And as you said, I want to point out, how different was it to see this type of wrestling back then? Yeah, I mean, uh, and, and we'll talk more about that even in, as we get into the WCW because that was different. But that, you know, that what you saw in New Japan is is what we see today, like, that probably was the starkest difference is the first match that we watched in New Japan could have been a match that we would see now. Yeah. Or, or, and, you know, but as we talk about the WCW match, that was so not in that time frame. It is now, and you're seeing it in WWE and AEW and stuff, but at that time, that wasn't really the kind of wrestling that was popular in WCW or WWE. So that was interesting. Liger won the match in New Japan, but then when they came to the Super Brawl 2, which was on uh, February 29th, 1992, Liger came to the ring as the light heavyweight champion. And uh, in this case, he came out to different music. So he had different music mm-hmm. when he was in WCW. And of course, not a huge crowd reaction considering, you know, 
they didn't know him as well as like say today he would tour in America and he has toured in America and the crowd goes crazy yeah. back then you know they're still trying to figure out how do they feel about him well plus it was you know you could tell there was the big patriotic yes, USA the USA chance ridiculous but he totally got over with the crowd in fact uh, Jesse Ventura and a young sounding Jim Ross were on the broadcast and even Jesse alluded to the fact that they were being patriotic but they were into Jushin. They were. And you know what I loved is that Jesse said it was one of the best matches he's ever seen. Yeah. During the match, he said that. I really liked that a lot. I thought it was telling because, again, they emphasized how, you know, there was all this type of wrestling that they don't normally see. And it's funny. Uh, something that's different is they were really being strict about, oh, don't get up on... Oh, yeah, you know, the turnbuckle, don't go outside of the ring. The ref was trying to stop that from happening. Jesse Ventura indicating that they're trying to bend the rules. Oh, yeah. And... Like when uh, Pillman does a drop kick between the ropes, uh, Jesse made it sound like it, it was a cheap shot, which was kind of funny because now we're so used to things taking place off the apron, off the top rope to the floor. But in this case, Jesse made it sound like it was a cheap shot. But again, as you mentioned later in the match, he also pointed out that it was one of the best matches he'd ever seen. The greatest aerial match I've ever seen were the exact uh, words that he uttered. <coughs> and I, I, I got to say, I mean, for that time, I'm sure a lot of people felt that way. And that's why people still regarded it as one of, you know, their favorite matches. Pillman got the win in this and in the end. Uh, a nice little show of respect, and the crowd really gave the appreciation to both. Yeah, they shook hands at the end, and I do want to call attention. I think my favorite part of the match was this really cool part where Pillman suplexes Liger to the outside. Oh, it yeah. looked really good. Like It just didn't feel like it was something that was done a lot in that day. No. The way it was done, it, was, it looked brutal, actually. I liked it a lot. And then uh, more stuff happens. Like There was power bombs. There was a superplex, Liger superplexed Pillman, but he k- kicked out. Um, but still... Lots of cool things. Ultimately, like you said, Pillman won. Yep. Uh, on a uh, rollover and a bridge that was kind of like a Zack Sabre yeah. type bridge. So uh, maybe Zack Sabre got his inspiration from Brian Pillman. I'm very interested to see in this tag match if they maybe try to almost Have pay some, homage yeah. to some sequences, in, especially in this WCW match, because this one's so well known. Mm-hmm. Like if you look up online 100 WWE matches to watch on the network, like it's a WWE.com article from a few years ago. So it's kind of out to date because, you know, it leaves out the last few years. But it has this match, I believe, at 34 out yep. of 100. And some other site had it in its top 30 matches you need to watch or something. Yeah. So definitely a well-known match. And uh, it was fun looking back at a couple of... Uh, Old matches between Pillman and Jushin Thunder Liger. That's going to uh, wrap up our first segment. When we come back, we'll talk about two fantastic documentaries we watched this week. And we review our top 25 current male wrestlers, our favorites. And we'll hear some of your favorites and kind of break it down by the numbers. That's when we come back. Two-Face Wrestling Talk is proud to be sponsored by Wrestling Travel. Check them out on Twitter at Wrestling Travel. Also go to their website, wrestlingtravel.org, to find out about all the exciting travel packages, including a travel package to All Out, which includes four nights hotel stay, StarCast Platinum Bracelet, and a lower bowl ticket across from the hard cam. They also have a very fun Wrestle Kingdom travel package, which includes round-trip airfare, five-night hotel near the Tokyo Dome, lower bowl tickets to both days of Wrestle Kingdom, and guided tours by being the Elite's fat ass masa come on who wouldn't want to hang out with masa i think that's like the coolest thing they offer you get to have some time with him 
meet him, interact with him. He'll literally be hanging with you. And you'd get to be a part of the first two-day Wrestle Kingdom, which is going to be really special in my opinion. They also have travel packages to WWE events, including WrestleMania 36, which you can sign up for information at WrestlingTravel.org. And they've got packages to the Royal Rumble as well, plus other events too. Check out their website. There are USA travel packages, but also UK travel packages. So whether you live in the UK or where we live in the United States, <laughs> you can find something for you. Also, don't forget they've got a friendly staff that can help you out. DM them on Twitter or contact them through their website. Thanks, Wrestling Travel. Our Two-Faced Wrestling Talk logo was inspired by Two-Face, the Batman animated series character, and his coin. The logo was designed by the talented and creative artist Eric Hudson. Eric creates wrestling-themed pieces as well as other pop culture art. He is also currently working on a Roddy Piper comic book. You can follow him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dreaded Dinosaur. You can also support his work by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash dreaded dinosaur. Please check out his work. And now back to Two-Face Wrestling Talk. So it is time for Two-Faced Goes to the Movies, although they're not really movies so much. It's just like our documentaries, but... Let's all go to the movies. <laughs> Let's all go to the movies instead of the lobby. Yes. Let's go to the movies. Yep. Yep. Um, it should be hardcore because it's wrestling, though. Let's all go to the movies. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> Let's all go to the movies. It has to be like, I don't know. <laughs> Tougher. Yes. Yes, I know. It can't be da- dancing raisinets. No. <laughs> it's got to be dancing kendo sticks. Let's go. <laughs> uh, the first one we watched was the Joey jo- Ryan documentary called This Is Wrestling. And... Uh, I thought this was good uh, because, you know, obviously I'm not a super big fan of the gimmick, as we as we mentioned. But I like the origin story and how he he got to that point and how it was just almost by mistake. And it became this viral sensation that became what it is today. You know, one of the favorite things about both of these movies that I really enjoyed was how eloquently they explained wrestling. Because obviously when you're making a documentary, you're going to assume that non-wrestling fans might watch it. As a filmmaker, you just assume that right off the bat. And you want that. You don't want it just to be all wrestling fans who watch these movies or documentaries. And so they had to explain wrestling to the non-wrestling fan. I think both did a really good job, especially the Joy Ryan one. And I like how he talked about, you know, wrestling being an art that changes and how some of the old school people are a little angry and can't accept the type of change that he is trying to do in wrestling and like how he's kind of doing a gimmicky uh-huh. finish. And, and he didn't mention the name of Jim Cornette, but it was so obvious he was talking about well, Jim Cornette. Well, and it's funny because that is still going on today. <laughs> yeah, it is funny. And that was like a year or two ago that they filmed some of that footage. Right. Uh, what also stood out to me was whether you like the gimmick or not, you heard several wrestlers talk about you're supposed to put smiles on people's faces. And so it was interesting, the respect he had from guys like Tommy Dreamer and Mick Foley. Uh, I, and I Mick thought, Foley wanted to take the D flip. Yeah. You know, he wanted to take the move. Yep. And it just shows you, like, he believes in entertaining people. Mm-hmm. And he knows how absurd Mr. Sacco is. Right. So he's like, yeah, I'm going to embrace it. And yep. let's do something together in the ring. Right yep. after he had hip surgery, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Joey Ryan talked about that on Talk is Jericho, how he had, you know, 
uh, he had to work with Foley, and he's like, oh, God, he just had his hip surgery. What if he breaks his hip right in the <laughs> middle of the ring? Uh, but it was funny. Mick did make fun of uh, how bad his flip was, but <laughs> <laughs> I think it's understandable. Of course. Uh, and, of course, the other part of it is uh, the great friendship between him and Candace. That was my favorite part. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, come on. We talk about that all the time. It was just so obvious how connected they are. And part of the documentary really focused on her last match on the indies. Mm -hmm. And they were wrestling each other, which kind of completed their whole story of working against each other, then tagging together, and then finally, last match on the indies, working against each other again to complete the story. And then, of course, now she's in NXT. So it's kind of cool to get a peek behind the curtain on the way to seeing her how she is today. And he still supports her so much in NXT. He, he always tweets, tweets about her, yeah. And supporting her. And it's it's funny. And one video online, he was like at Disney World looking for her, calling up Candace and stuff. <laughs> so it's just cool. Everyone loves the story of their friendship. I think that's kind of like a really uh, uh, emotional story that people could invest in in the documentary. The other documentary we watched was uh, Omega Man. And it was uh, talking about Kenny Omega. It was produced by uh, Canadian sports network TSN. So it opened uh, an exploration into the LGBT window and, you know, kind of embracing that fandom as well with the storyline with the Golden Lovers. And I I really found a lot of that fascinating uh, on top of everything else and how he came uh, through the WWE system was... uh, you know, not happy about the direction it was going to go. It was interesting. He went back to Winnipeg and had a match with AJ Styles, who was at that point in TNA. And Styles says on the map, uh, good good for you for quitting that crap promotion WWE. It's kind, ironic now. Kind of funny that yeah. AJ Styles is now at that crap promotion, <laughs> according to him. But I wish he wasn't there. Uh, <laughs> I'm so terrible. I thought that was uh, interesting. I really thought it was a good documentary. And the same thing explaining to the non-wrestling fan and you know omega's always been great anyways but just the interview he came across compelling well omega always comes across compelling in my mind i really think he's one of the best promos ever and he's so good at doing like an interview style promo it's sometimes you're like man did he like think of this all ahead of time (laughs) and like write this down or like memorize it he is so good at just being compelling i think whether it's like, you know, as a bad guy, which it was so awesome to go back and see some of the old school Kenny Omega that I really miss. Like the Terminator style Kenny Omega, the cleaner. And to me, it was like great to see those flashes again. Because it's been so long since we've seen, seen that pure, like ridiculously cartoonish evil Kenny Omega. And like, I know you haven't seen it, but they showed highlights of... And this would also make Jim Cornette cringe. The match he had with a seven-year-old girl, that was one of my favorite Kenny Omega mm-hmm. matches that I've ever seen. I've watched it, you know, I've actually watched it like ten times. I really love it a lot. Um, they, they showed clips. I've seen this too. I watched it in its entirety. It's so good. Clips of his match where he was in Canada in like a cabin and he was wrestling all the way like out on this dock into the water off this hill of dirt, which you said reminded you of something. Yeah, I wonder if uh, Matt Hardy got some of his ideas for the final deletion from watching that cabin video. That's ridiculous. No, it's not ridiculous. Well, when Matt Hardy confirms it someday, then just remember I said this at that point. Uh, Because as as I'm watching that cabin stuff, I'm like, this is the final deletion. (laughs) Funny thing is, Kenny Omega, when Broken Matt was at its height, when he was still in TNA, 
Kenny Omega said over and over again, people would ask him, like, who do you want to wrestle if you could wrestle anybody? He said, Broken Mad. Because he knew that their characters could work so well together and they could do something really creative and zany in the ring. That's one dream match. I'm not saying Hardy versus Omega. I'm saying Broken Mat versus mm-hmm. Omega. That did not happen. Yeah. I don't want him to go to WWE for it to happen. I wanted it wow. to happen outside because the broken character is nothing now. I mean, it's gone. So, it would have been cool to see it, but it never happened. But Omega said over and over again, it's kind of ironic. Well, and that's the, what he wanted it to The happen. other thing I thought was interesting was how in sync he and Ibushi are. Mm-hmm. Um, that they, they talked about how they have the same brain and the same... Uh, thought process in the business and they, same aura and they sh- and they showed these clips where they would flip off the rope and everything was completely in tune like landing perfectly on on their left foot both at the same time right. coming off the, you know it was just unbelievable how in sync those two guys are and their level of of love and respect that they have for each other is it's pretty cool I also think, to go back to how well they explained wrestling to the non-wrestling fan, it's one of the best explanations and the most simple explanation of kayfabe I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. It was just so well done. It's like, man, I could see enjoying this if I didn't even like wrestling. Especially that one, because it had a bigger story to tell about, you know, belonging, about, you know, you're not an outsider. People who are bisexual or gay could relate to Kenny and, and Coda, that storyline. And that's why I think people connect with it so much. Yeah, there were a lot of people that were, uh, you know, kind of emotional even in the interviews talking about it. So thought that was uh, really interesting. And if you get a chance to see either of those documentaries, totally got to check those out. Again, uh, this is wrestling. Joey Ryan and Omega Man with uh, Kenny Omega. And I do want to thank the filmmakers of the Joey Ryan documentary because they actually have worked with somebody I work with, Dave Landry. They've worked with him on Bar Rescue, and they were really kind enough to let us see a, like a preview copy because that's still making the rounds right now. I know it was shown at... Starcast too, but we didn't get to see it because we weren't there in time. And now it's still being shown at different film festivals, so it's really hard to find. So they gave us permission to watch it, and we really thank them for that. Yep. Uh, so thanks, and uh, we enjoyed watching both of those. And that's not going to be our last two-faced goes to the movies. We got a couple other uh, wrestling-themed movies that we're going to get to in the coming months, and we'll talk about those as well. But let's change gears and go. To uh, our list, if you've been listening to us the last two weeks in commemoration of our 50th show on Wrestling Inc., which we will not get to 100 on Wrestling Inc. Mm -hmm. if you missed the beginning of the show, uh, be on the lookout. We will be uh, leaving Wrestling Inc. in about a month. So uh, it will be after episode, I guess it would be 56. So September 13th or so will be our last episode with Wrestling Inc. We'll keep you up to date on where we will be but in commemoration of our 50th episode on wrestling inc we just decided to put together a list of 50 wrestlers and each of us was going to rank that list and we have uh, had some spirited debates over the last couple weeks on some of uh, the wrestlers but we wanted to kind of give you a recap and give you our top 25 uh, and then we're going to hear from some of you and some of your best answers on your top five and we've got some stats to uh show you how 
or which wrestlers got the most votes, and a couple of real surprises on how many votes they got. Yeah, yeah. But let's hear your top. No, 25. let's hear yours because mine is lost. I gotta find it. So we you, you say. Just go right off your copy. No, this is not an order. I have an ordered copy somewhere, well, but I think you, it's on my hard drive. You can drive. figure it out from there. It's gonna be looking all over the place. Yeah, uh, I guess I can. Figure I will it out. help you. Your writing is fine on that, but I will go through mine. My writing is always fine. Anyway, go ahead. Well, we can bounce back and forth if you if they make it easier for you. Uh, however you want to do it. Okay, I've got my twenty-five. All right, twenty-five. I have MJF. Cesaro. Twenty-four. I have Jay White, and you have Nick Aldis. All right, twenty-three. Brian Cage. Chris Jericho. 22, Lance Archer. Cody Rhodes. All right. 21, Cesaro. MJF. All right. 20, Alistair Black. Uh, Flip it back over. Oh, Juice Robinson. Juice, 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 juice. Uh, 19, I had Sammy Guevara, which I know surprised you. It did. Lance Archer for me at number 19. 18, I have Matt Taven. Even at 18, that surprises me. At 18, I have Christopher Daniels. 17, I had John Moxley. I had Yanu. <laughs> Much to your chagrin. Yes. 16, Christopher Daniels. 16, I had Jay Lethal. Uh, 15, uh, Chris Jericho. Fifteen, I had Beer City Bruiser. All right. Fourteen, Keith Lee. Samoa Joe. Okay. Thirteen, Nido. I know my thirteen's Joey Janela. <laughs> <laughs> I have that one memorized. <laughs> uh, Twelve, Sammy Callahan. Twelve is Keith Lee. Eleven, Samoa Joe. Eleven for me is ZSJ. Ten, Kevin Owens. Let me just remind you that you said ZSJ was way too high at eleven, but I think he's just fine there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I had him way down. I know you did. So number 10, you have? Uh, Kevin Owens. Yes. AJ Styles for me. Number nine, I have Jay Lethal. Number nine, I have Kevin Owens. Number eight, I have Ricochet. Oh, I remember that. (laughs) No. (laughs) Number eight, I have somebody. Let's see who do I have. Oh, yeah. Ishii, of course. Uh, if, If you remember last week... I mentioned that I probably, if I were to do it again, would flip-flop 7, 6, and 5 for me. Uh, 7, I had Okada. 6, I had Ibushi. And 5, I had Ishii. If I had to do over again, I'd probably put Ishii at 7. Keep Ibushi at 6, but put Okada at 5. I also wanted to switch my (laughs) 6 and 5, but what I settled on was Matt Riddle at 7, Number six was Sammy Callahan, and number five was Okada. Originally, I had thought I would put Okada as six and Sammy Callahan as five, but I switched them because we watched lots more of Okada. Yeah, so basically we both have, or should have had Okada at number five. Exactly. That's the one we would have matched the same. Uh, Four, I had AJ Styles. I had Kenny Omega. I had Kenny Omega at three. And much to your chagrin, again, for some reason, you thought he was way too high. Sami Zayn is my number three. Let me also add in, he's so cool outside the ring. He likes ska music. He likes Beatles. He likes Seinfeld. He likes everything cool. And literally some of the best Talk is Jericho episodes ever. Who do they feature? Sami Zayn. (laughs) He's so zany and cool. That's why you got to watch... I mean, you gotta listen, not watch. You gotta listen to those Talk is Jericho episodes. And then uh, our number twos and number ones are flip-flopped. Mm-hmm. I had Suzuki at number two. I had Will Ospreay at number two. 
And so I number one I had Suzuki. And so number one I had Osprey. Yep. So those are the lists. And now uh, we're going to go through, you had about 140 submissions of top five lists. And why don't you break down for us uh, the the wrestler rankings and, and who got the most votes and maybe some of the surprises. Okay, we can read a few too. I've got about 10 pulled that we can read, but there was just so many guys. I, I wish I could read all of the tweets, but we would be here all night. 140, we're not fast readers. So um, looking at my little breakdown, I made a bar graph with all the wrestlers and how many votes they got but uh what should we look at first paul some surprising things or should we go straight to the top and show you just go straight to the top yeah all right so the two wrestlers who appeared on the most top five lists number one osprey with 29 appearances over people's top five lists and right behind him aj styles on 28 of your top five lists and then you had Moxley with 25 and Omega and Adam Cole, which was a little bit of a surprise to me, but uh, both at 23 and then uh, a couple guys at 19. Uh, Okada had 21 and Okada was lagging behind at first. Some people were submitting their answers initially and Okada wasn't getting many, uh, many submissions like on anybody's list. And I was like, what the heck? Why aren't people putting him? But then finally it started to catch up. And this will surprise people. Tanahashi only like showed up with about five or six, if I look, six total appearances on different top five lists. He is, you know, getting older towards the end of his career. So maybe if this was done like a few years ago, he might have been on more people's top five lists. I know you were surprised how much people love Orange Cassidy. He appeared on at least 16 people's top five wrestler lists. He probably would not even make my top 50. Uh, Pentagon with 10. And we will say we omitted him, like we said last week. We wish we would have included him, but we thought, you know, he's so kind of... Right now, more than anything, yeah. He's He's with Phoenix all the time with the Lucha Brothers, but he's also wrestling singles a lot right now, too. So it's like we could have included him. uh, I, I... was kind of surprised that Lesnar got appeared in seven lists. That was a bit of a surprise to me. On the flip side, Cesaro was on seven lists. I thought that was interesting as well. And Roman Reigns on seven lists. Uh, a little surprised by that as well. Yeah, I know. I mean, and then Jay White had 10. Kevin Owens had 13. My boy Suzuki had 12. I was getting worried. Suzuki, you know, people were sending in their lists, sending their lists. Like, one person had Suzuki at one point. One person! And, of course, then me. I'm not counting me in this list, but I have them on mine, too. So, technically, it would be a 13 total if you count... Well, 14 if you count both of our lists. But nobody was choosing him. And finally, the Suzuki submissions started to roll in thank goodness I, I didn't want him to have such a low number Naito got 13 again it's so surprising that Orange Cassidy beats out Suzuki beats out flipping Naito so many people he's beating out it's crazy yeah also uh it's kind of interesting to note that the Fiend character got a lot of votes some people call them Bray Wyatt others called him the Fiend but he appeared on 19 of people's top wrestler lists Pretty interesting, and there were some interesting uh, answers as well. We're going to give you some of the top answers from people now as we uh, go through some of your tweets. Again, we had a 140 or so submissions, so we couldn't read them all, but uh, here are some of them. We'll start with at John underscore Olin. Uh, the Miz, impatiently waiting for him to break that IC title record. 
Cesaro impatiently waiting for him to get the push he's deserved for 10 years. Totally agree, John. Amen. On that. Uh, David Starr, the epitome of independent wrestling. Cody, the Dave Grohl of wrestling. And Kota Ibushi, my son's fave. And he could have added one of Paul Boron's faves. Ugh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves a bougie, except me. Then we got our great friend Josh at McGeeky Designs. He says that this list is in no particular order. Kenny Omega just always has excellent matches. Adam Cole, best, quote, complete package wrestler right now. Johnny Gargano, great matches, great feuds. Brian Cage, best big man I've ever seen. And Sammy Callahan, Best heel in the business. And then he also adds, Jericho will always be his number one. Greatest all time, you know, all all around, that's his number one. Yep, good choices. Uh, our good friend at Randy 000001 uh, said, what? one, Osprey, best all around ring technician in the world. Two, AJ, one of the elite wrestlers of the last 10 to 15 years. Three, Johnny Gargano, a stronger and more physical version of Daniel Bryan, which I like that analogy. Uh, four, Okada, and five, Pentagon. Then we've got our great friend Dave at Dave Pizeski. Alistair Black, number one, I love his striking and promos, great eloquence. Number two, Will Ospreay, love the high-pressure situations he's in. Toro Yanu, love his style of comedy. Number four, Kenny Omega, incredible in ring, with a good heart. Number five, Marty Skrull, not the same now, but I still like his style. Diverse list there. Uh, at Sir Weaselton, it says AJ Styles can adapt to any promotion with his many styles, pun pun intended i'm sure andrade has everything needed for a push down to the heel valet and i agree with him i think andrade hopefully is going to have a bright future because uh, he's already had some great matches osprey g1 matches were outstanding win or lose naito good wrestler playing the tranquilo gimmick well and brock boo but he brings out the best in other wrestlers. So true. So like you said, you were surprised to see those mentions of Brock, but a couple of these that I pulled to read had really good explanations why they put Brock on their list. Then we go to at Lizard of the Dead, Will Ospreay, Velveteen Dream, The Fiend, John Moxley, and Jericho. You can see that I love a good gimmick, but also Will Ospreay is too good not to include. <coughs> Great point knew, there. Knew we weren't going to get through the show without me coughing and clearing the throat one last time. All right, next one. Uh, at Raven's Blood 5220, Tomohiro Ishii, toughest man in wrestling, matches always deliver. Johnny Gargano, all heart and sells like crazy. Kazuchika Okada, best champion in wrestling. Kota Ibushi, best in-ring storyteller. Brock Lesnar, still the biggest draw in wrestling. I skipped one. Here we go. At FJ Huff 282, my top five. Heel Miz, number five. Number four, MJF. Number three, Velveteen Dream. Number two, Orange Cassidy. Number one, Chris Jericho. I am entertained anytime I watch these five wrestlers. Uh, next one is from Ad Bad Movie Lover. In no particular order, Kazuchika Okada. How can he not be on everyone's list? Kenny Omega. I wish he stayed in New Japan. I'm with you there. Tomohiro Ishii. Ishii, the guy has fabulous matches with everyone. And, of course, the image of the G1 of him flying off the top rope onto the table onto Moxley. Still one of the great things. One, probably one of the images of the G1 for me. Yeah, for the entire G1. It was so epic. Uh, Will Ospreay, the guy has gotten so good. And Kota Ibushi, so good. And finally, at 
CCS The Real Forno. Number one, Okada, incredible with everything. Number two, Omega, see above. <laughs> so also incredible with everything he's saying. Number three, Yanu, I laugh so hard every time I see him. Number four, Abushi, great balance of high flying and heavy striking. Plus, he's so cute. <laughs> Number five, Osprey, his transition to heavyweight has been excellent. Plus, he's so calculated. I like all of these lists, and I really wish I could read more because some people had amazing paragraphs, and uh, they had great explanations really in depth other people just had like a very simple list with just names um i wish i could read everybody but there is a way for people they can go in uh and look at everybody's responses yeah i think i'm gonna put it all on my tumblr my tumblr's at super kicking it so if you guys have a tumblr account uh i'm gonna try to put it up this weekend and i I'm also going to tweet out the link. So again, not to plug my Twitter again, but follow me at Super Kicking It. I'll tweet out the link and I'll try to put pictures as many of those tweets as possible. Because I took a picture or a screen capture, I should say, of all of those tweets. But if nothing else, people could scroll down too, right? Through your Twitter and find... Oh, of course, they can go to the original tweets and they're all on the original tweet. And uh, there's one that I quote tweeted the original tweet and there's more answers on there. So it's basically, you could find them all by looking at both of my tweets on my profile page. But that was a lot of fun. Uh, Gave us three weeks of content too. And uh, I'm sure down the road, we'll do a woman's list and a tag team list. I'm really excited about the tag team list. It'll be hard. No, you're going to put the Young Bucks number one. No, well, no. I'm seriously torn these days. Yeah, it might be the Briscoes. Exactly. Yeah. I'm torn right now because I love the Briscoes. Then there's got, like, who's my top five going to be? Like, who's going to get what position? See, it's not who to put in the top five. It's what order to put them in. That's the part that's, like, very nerve-wracking. Like, our list, it was hard to put the 20s in order. Well, we're, you we're, know? we'll do a top 25. We'll do or pick 25 tag teams, and we'll do that maybe... Uh, not promising it, but maybe for our first show on our new platform after we leave Wrestling Inc., you can follow us and uh, participate in that. That'd be a lot of fun and a good way to kick off our new journey. Yes, exactly. Uh, but uh, we're about done with this show. Time to close out the show and send them home. And uh, as we have done for the last few weeks, we have Kelsey's Tweet of the Week, and Kelsey was torn. I was torn. And so because I was torn, you offered to read my runner-up for Tweet of the Week, and then I'll read the other tweets. Yeah, so, so, so go ahead. So the runner-up will be my Tweet of the Week, I guess. Yes. Uh, it's from Okada, who just puts out some great, just, you know, you can almost picture him saying these things uh, by his uh, disposition. But uh, from his Twitter, he said, I was chased by a wasp. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> and then uh, Osprey was interacting with him on this, and he was like, you're so cute. <laughs> it was just so funny. They're back and forth. Um, and then he was like, I was scared, Okada. <laughs> um, and so then my official tweet of the week, since Paul was so nice to read my little runner-up tweet, uh, my official tweet of the week is from John Cena. Be remembered because of what you stand for, not what you stand to gain. I think that's a good lesson there. Yes. I like it a lot. It is a, a good one. And... Uh... We appreciate you guys joining us as always. And uh, again, we will be in Chicago next week. And So if you're around, give us a wave. Yeah. Come say hello. Come say hi. We've, uh, we'll have stacks of stickers to give out. And uh, so definitely come by and see us at StarCast. I'm sure we'll be easy to spot. We might have our camera. I think uh, some of those days we probably will. And, uh, of course, we'll be looking forward to uh, being 
at the last uh, show before AEW goes on regular broadcast television. That should be really fun and very historical. So uh, join us uh, for our podcast next week from... Yeah, but get out of here right now. We're done. (laughs) I'm just kidding. The Windy City. Uh, I got nothing else to add. I know. I'm trying to wrap it up for you. uh, It's my job. How about Go Gators? Since they okay. kick off on Saturday. I know, you're very excited. Go Gators beat the Canes. Go Gators. Are you wearing a Gators set? Is I am. That what you're National okay, champion. That's what I thought. You'd hat be wearing. from 2006. Well, go Gators. <laughs> but that's it. That'll do it for us this week. Until next time, that's for... <laughs> I messed up again this week. Until next time, that's it for us. That's the finish. Thank you.